Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Regional Roundup. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. Ellie Dank and Timothy Goen Chuatian Tim with you. Time to take a look at some headlines from our Southeast Asian region. Well, from the relevance of former Malaysian Prime Minister Dr. Mahathir Mohamad in the country's political scene and the latest from ASEAN Foreign Ministers meeting as well. On the line with us is Nicholas Fang, Managing Director Black Dot and Director for Security and Global Affairs, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Hi, guys. Good to talk to you again. Let's start off with Malaysia's Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim retorting to uh, Dr. Mahathir Mohamad. Give us a bit about this backstory on uh, Mr. Anwar's jab at Dr. M. Uh, well, you know, I think this is a little bit emblematic about Malaysian politics in general. If you think about it, right, there is the race issue, which is a constant thorn that comes up from time to time. And of course, there's always the long shadow of Dr. Mahathir Mohamad, the former the premier, former prime minister of the country, still seeking to have a say and have a voice within the, the political scene. So as we all sort of know, you know, uh, Dr. M didn't quite succeed his uh, last elections to retain his seat in Ankawi and he lost and he also lost his deposit. You know, it wasn't the best um, yeah. uh, showing for, for him. And in what we can only interpret to, to be a bid to sort of stay relevant, he very quickly after that came up with a proclamation, mm-hmm. uh, a 12-point proclamation, you know, uh, over the issues of Malays in Malaysia. He has actually been called up by federal police to be questioned about this over activities that could be detrimental to parliamentary democracy. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's sort of facing a little bit of fire for that. So okay. what we're talking about today is uh, current Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim coming up to state quite categorically that, you know, the, the Malaysia is a country for all Malaysians and it's not just for Malays. And, and he, he's made it very clear that his position is, as uh, Prime Minister is to protect the welfare of all citizens. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he sort of rejects what Dr. Mahathir is claiming, which, that, which is that Malaysia is a Malay country in that sense, and, and sort of speaking out against multiculturalism. Dr. Mahathir also says the Malaysian constitution never claimed that Malaysia was a multiracial country. And as you can imagine, this is slightly incendiary in a country that has you know, multiple races, uh, as does Malaysia. So, you know, Dr. Mahathir is 98, he turned 98 on, on you know, wow. just, just not too long ago. And he begs the question, why is he, you know, picking up this fairly strident, yeah. divisive issue? Yeah. Is it just him trying to claim to relevance, as claim to relevance as what, what uh, Prime Minister Anwar is alleging? Or is, he, is it something that he genuinely feels strongly yeah. about? Whatever it is, it is causing... You know, of course, a little bit more of an issue for, for Mr. Anwar. You know, he's, uh, he's he's questioning why the race card is still being flashed around when yeah. there are more pressing issues like the economy, like, you know, developing good governance, uh, yeah. advancing te- technological developments. And he's, he's justifiably upset. He, why are we fixated on who this country belongs to, Malays, Chinese, or the Christians? Yeah. You know, I, I can hear in his voice that he yeah. is very frustrated. So yeah, it's, a, it's a tricky issue, and, and Dr. Mahathir doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. But the question <laughs> is, Nick, after you mentioned all of that, what does Dr. Mater get out of this? As you mentioned, he's already 98. He's probably not going to win another election. And even if he does, he's already 98. So what does he get out of it for doing such a thing? Well, I, 
I wouldn't put it past him. You know, he he, he might live forever at the rate he's going. But uh, you know, he is clean to relevance and then to still have a voice that is listened to and that in his mind matters to people. So, for example, when he was called up for questioning by the police over this twelve-point uh, Malay proclamation campaign that he sort of launched, um, he said very proudly that he's willing to uh, be charged in court. Hmm. so that he can actually speak up on mm-hmm. the issue, you know, okay. and he will answer queries there. So he's not shying away. He just wants people to pay attention to him, you know. And uh, if you know Dr. Mahathir and, and we've been covering him over the years, yeah. he, he's such a strong personality and he's got quite a big ego, I think it's, it's fair to say, that the, the last poor showing in the, in the previous election, I think, rankles him. He definitely feels yeah. that, you know, he doesn't want to go out like that. So whether it's you know, making incendiary statements or that people interview him or bring him to court or, or even up there, it's sort of achieved his aim, right? The Prime Minister has had to respond to yeah. him. And I guess it, it feeds his ego and his need to be to be heard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nick, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Malaysian United Democratic Alliance, or MUDA. Reports that they have parted ways with Pakatan Harapan to contest the upcoming state elections. Now, MUDA, we understand, is a youth focus parties. So the rationale behind this move, I mean, do they do they have a good standing to begin with? So it's, it's interesting. And I think, you know, a few experts have already weighed in on the issue. Muda, as you say, youth focused, it's led by its president, uh, the very media savvy uh, Moa MP Syed Sadiq. And he's basically claiming that the Pakistan Harapan Alliance and Mr. Anwar and his team have, have basically ignored him. The, the Muda has sought to, to meet them allegedly three times, you know, writing letters or emails to, I guess, discuss the upcoming state elections and the division of seats that would be, that would be contested by the different parties in, in the coalition. And the, the, the PH Secretary General, Sakudin Nasution, basically said in March that he had been too busy to even entertain uh, Muda's application to join the coalition. And I think that, you know, uh, basically uh, the Muda president, Sadiq, has decided that enough is enough. I'm just going to go and do it alone. Now, mm. there have been some critiques who say that the party is a little bit, to put it in a, in a not-so-nice way, a little bit lightweight. They focus, as you said, very much on the youth market. They okay. potentially don't have very deep coffers. So there's some pessimism about whether they can actually make an impact on, on the state elections. But an interesting point to note is that, you know, Mr. Sadiq might not have had a choice. Pakatan Harapan and Barisan Nasional are, are the two peninsula-based coalitions in the unity government, and they are now negotiating who will compete where in the, okay. in the state elections. In that scenario, Muda might not even have a look in in that sense if they were going to play ball these two big coalitions. Right. So, in a sense, he, 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 Sadiq might not have had a choice. He had to come up and do it go uh, his own way. He has now a lot okay, more okay. flexibility. He could feel more candidates okay. and, and let them accumulate more of uh, their own track records as well. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how successful they are. And, uh, you know, in the longer term, it still might not preclude them coming back and joining forces with uh, Pakatan Harapan. You know, the, the worldviews of these parties are not uh, too incompatible. So mm-hmm. you might actually see them working again once these state elections are through. So as we know with Malaysian politics, very mm-hmm. fluid, things could change all the time and, and never assume that anything is set in stone. <laughs> it's exciting that way. <laughs> well, uh, Nick, let's have a look at what's happening in Jakarta today. Of course, is the meeting of uh, ASEAN foreign ministers together with China, Russia and the United States. So what kind of outcome do we expect from this meeting? 
Well, I think, you know, as you might be expected, uh, the key thing that's going to come up is likely to be Myanmar. The situation there has not improved any time in, in recent memory. And the efforts by ASEAN member states to sort of uh, contribute positively to the conflict there hasn't really borne fruit as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we can expect A, Myanmar to dominate and B, as usual, the challenges facing ASEAN to persist. Uh, the fact that we operate on a, a basis of uh, non-interference in sovereign issues uh, of different member states and also the need for, you know, almost 100% unanimous uh, approval for anything to get done in ASEAN. These are the traditional sort of stumbling blocks for, for the grouping. Yeah. Um, it is definitely a, an issue that, that will has caused problems for ASEAN, the fact that they can't move. Um, it's five-point peace plan, you know, it still remains five points, nothing has been addressed, no progress has been made. But there, there are experts who say that, you know, you, we can't def- move away too far from the five-point peace plan because it is a, a plan that has been approved by all of other member states uh, besides, uh, even including the, the junta government in Myanmar. Mm-hmm. And it gives legitimacy for ASEAN to start engaging with Myanmar. We've seen in recent times uh, efforts by Thailand and also rumoured by Indonesia to engage with Myanmar. We don't have a lot of details about this engagement. But if individual countries start engaging with Myanmar, then I don't think we'll see a, a very long-lasting or holistic solution because they don't, they can't operate without the mandate of the five-point peace plan where you'll see the whole you know, force of ASEAN coming behind it. It might be individual uh, discussions, individual issues that are addressed. So, you know, for, for better or for worse, what I guess I'm trying to say is that, you know, within this region, ASEAN is pretty much the only game in town. Yeah. It comes to a unified voice for all okay. the 10 member states. And as much as we always seem to say that nothing's happening, the five-point peace plan is not effective, nothing, you know, was really, was really achieved, it still remains the best recourse at this point in time to achieving any kind of peace in Myanmar. So uh, as much as we, we criticize ASEAN from time to time, you know, I'm certainly keeping my fingers crossed that they have a, a fruitful and successful meeting. As you say, they could be complicated by other issues, right? China yeah. is going to be represented, the US, even Russia. Russia's going to so, be there, yeah. You know, that's what I was thinking. That's right. Oh, it's going to be quite interesting. So, a lot of things on the table for the, for, for yeah. the ministers to discuss. And it looks like uh, we're going to have to talk to you about it again next week, Nicholas. Uh, that's our regular <laughs> Nicholas Fang, Managing Director, Black Dot, and Director for Security and Global Affairs, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Nicholas, as always, we appreciate your insight. You take care and have a great Wednesday evening, yeah? Take care, guys. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.